Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to Twin Cities by Night and our third story arc, Dread. Dread is set in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, Minneapolis, and St. Paul in the hot and humid summer of 2011. Join us again and continue to follow the journey of Katow, played by Quinn, and William, played by Slavic, as they continue to traverse the dark society held within the Twin Cities. They will be joined by three new kindred, Warren, a Tremere, played by Adam, Valentine, a Nosferatu, played by Alex, and Lenny, a Nosferatu, played by Andrew. The quarter will find themselves joined together by a sense of dread. If you would like to contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Twin Cities by Night. Uh, it is I, the storyteller, Chris, and we're here with Quinn. And what we're going to be doing is going to be recapping the history of Quinn's character and then going over the events, uh, how it affected him from his perspective in the first two story arcs. And the reason why we're doing this is because we never recorded our character creation sessions or Twin Cities by Night. So a lot of you guys and gals who are used to like seeing the character creation sessions for our games now have it. And I thought this would be interesting to see behind the motivations and the past of some of the characters who are traversing over into the third story arc. Uh, so you can understand kind of what we're doing in the game. So welcome, Quinn. Hello. So yes, this will be a recap of Kaitao Bren's character from Twin Cities by Night. We're going to start with like the mortal side of things from his childhood on, and then uh, we're going to uh, cover, like I said, the events in the first two story arcs. And then we're going to have him go over his character sheet so you guys can kind of see what his character is looking at right now. It's going to be very free-flowing, So, uh, and if you guys have any questions, uh, feel free to shoot them in the comments section. We always gotta keep an eye open on them and everything like that, too. So, all right, Quinn, tell me about Katow from childhood on. So, yeah, Katow, when he first... He barely remembers like what, living with his original with his biological parents. He just remembers like, yeah, I was there. It was sucked. It was it was like you know wasn't really clean all the time. It was it just just like a yeah. It's just it's very vague memory to him. And so like he's then he got moved to the foster care very early on. And so then from there on, he just sort of like moved, was moved around quite a bit. At one point, he some of them were better than others. Some of them were worse than others. But for him, it was just. It was just you know moving around place to place, not really having you know a set set family to call you know say hey I belong here. A couple of things is he's half Chinese, half Caucasian. Caucasian. Uh, anything about his parents specifically that stick out or anything like that? Like or well, yeah, like he knows he that his mom to... was the Asian one, and that basically he just remembers like his dad was just sort of mm. there sometimes. Was it like it's like I said it's just it's so far back in his memory that it's like yeah I know it existed, but I just. I can't really put names like to names. It's like know. a presence, just exactly. like a presence, right? Not exactly a figure, just kind of exactly, like the yeah. feeling in a way. I, I feel you. And now uh, to, to quick jump into the foster care thing, I just want to expand in because I don't know if you're about to bypass it. I just didn't want to leave that in the dust while you were talking. Is we kind of uh, a little bit in the second story arc of Twin yeah. Cities by Night where you had um, basically a foster family that you had stayed at that ended up getting arrested and doing time in prison 
because of children missing from there. But you really didn't have clear memories of that. You just started having dreams. So the dreams that you, you basically, it was, you started having dreams of uh, being a, um, being awake but unable to move in, in a room full of like five or six kids. And, and, and it, it was, it was terrifying to you because like you, you literally, it was almost like you're paralyzed in a way. And you could see one of the fo- foster parents in the room with the figure that had that, that had like flames coming from his head. Now, mind you, this is a dream, a nightmare, more like it that you were having. And you saw as this figure was walking with one of your foster parents looking over the children. It even came and looked over you and then it decided to pass. And then it left holding one of the children. And um, basically you kind of put two and two together at the time because you realized that was Max Cleveland, most likely, who's a NPC that you're not too sure about about him. We'll dive into that a little bit more. But this was back like in the uh, this was kind of back in the 70s. This was going on because your character was born in the 60s. Right. And was embraced in late. Yeah. yeah, Late 60s and was embraced in the um, in the early 90s. One thing that you and Ophelia did kind of delved into that a little bit more because she helped you try to find out about your foster parent. You know what I mean? Those foster parents. And that's how you guys were able to find out that they had actually been arrested for extorting the government for money, for foster care and the missing kids. You know what I mean? But I'll let you continue on. Go ahead. And so, yeah. And then eventually he sort of grew up, grew up enough to get out of the foster care system, live on his own. And so even from there, he was just sort of like, it wasn't, didn't go to college. He did graduate from high school, but he was just sort of like, Okay, so yeah, I am on my own, and that's not really all the difference, really, from when I grew up. So he just sort of lived quietly by himself, and he got, went to got a job at a veterinar- veter- veterinarian's clinic, or like an animal shelter. That's it. I said it was. Yeah, animal shelter. Yeah, definitely. Around that time when uh, you were at the animal shelter working, you kind of, with the, unknowingly, obviously, uh, drew the attention of a kindred that was in the city. Uh, at the time, named Bugs Dupati. Now, Bugs Dupati, for those of you, uh, and, and even those of you who have watched it, might not quite know uh, about Bugs Dupati, but he was a very scarred individual before he was even embraced into the Gangrel clan. Uh, and I don't want to uh, delve uh, too far into it and give, you know what I mean? Not that there's some dark secret that's going to be coming out. But basically, Bugs Dupati was a Vietnam vet when he was a human, when he was mortal, and uh, suffered with issues like that and came back and decided to join a motorcycle club at the time that was in somewhere, I, I think I, in my notes, like Montana or somewhere in that in that area at the time. He got embraced uh, by a gangrel against his will, you know what I mean, uh, was left on his own and eventually found his way into the Twin Cities. So he's one of the few kindred in the Twin Cities who are actually from outside the Twin Cities, weren't embraced, you know what I mean, within the Twin Cities. He eventually became a deputy during when he was following Quinn, or excuse me, Katow, Quinn, watch out, vampires are following you. When he was following, when he was following Katow, it was not more of a, I want to embrace this guy. It was more his PTSD was being, was, was kind of kicking in a little bit due to Katow's uh, uh, ethnicity. Obviously he's not Vietnamese, but you know what I mean? In the, in, um, the Twin Cities area, there's not, at that time, there wasn't a lot of a huge Asian population, you know, and it just happened that Katow kind of attracted the attention of someone who was severely mentally, I don't want to say mentally because it's, it has a wrong connotation to it, but was dealing with stressors and dealing with issues and traumatic issues in his life. And uh, unwillingly, this guy basically couldn't control himself and went to feed off a of Katow and uh, frenzied. And during 
before he even fed from Katow, Katow tried to fight him off and uh and and basically uh and this is to explain a flaw that Katow has, permanent wound, tried to like punch this guy off, you know, just in a desperate get off of me. And while in the middle of frenzying, uh, uh Bugs like crushed his hand and his wrist, you know what I mean? Just to like kinda stop the the him being defensive back. Katow basically was pretty much almost murdered by a frenzying kindred. And at the last minute, uh, not only did like Bugs snap out of the frenzy, Bugs kind of like snapped out of this uh, fake state that he had been in, you know what I mean, for the last couple of weeks, seeing what he did. And it was just kind of like he was overwrought with uh, guilt and, and remorse and thought like the only thing that he could do to like fix that was to bring over Katow at the time. And in, in a panic, state after he realized what he did without the the permission of the prince or any of that jazz uh he basically just kind of gave one uh two like words real quick two 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 uh pieces of advice watch out for the sun and feed carefully and left you know what i mean we're gonna jump into a little bit into what like katow did to survive you know what i mean during that time but on the other side i want to lift the veil a little bit and basically i'm not going to give away too much but Dupati had to pull strings uh, and, and and probably had to do boons and, and probably had to do other things to basically make it to where, A, he wouldn't get killed, and B, Katow wouldn't get killed, you know what I mean, for un, uh, uh, for breaking the tradition, you know, of the embrace. So all right, I'm going to hand it over to you, Katow. So, yeah, after when he first was turned, he basically, Katow was like, oh, this honestly doesn't change that much. I... Was already just pretty much by myself, but now I kind of have to be by myself, uh, even though I kind of wanted to have a life. No, I don't. Never again, really. And as a result, he sort of, as a result of like the whole, you know, frenzy and then being embraced, he sort of has like this mixed reaction towards Bugs. He's just like, yeah, I hate you for doing this to me in the first place, but I can't hate, I can't. You know, really hate you because you could have just let me to die and you didn't. So, thank you for that part at least that much. But the weird mixed up emotions with that. Well, especially yeah, too, because especially um, you know, he kind of left you on your own. I mean, at one point, you know, he presented you to the prince, uh, you know, which was a couple months after you know he came to check on you, and then you were left on your own after that, pretty much for like what twenty years. You know what I mean? Like it was just like. All right, good luck and enjoy your gift, you know, kind of thing. And and within those twenty years, what what did all like what did Katow do during those twenty years? So, so in those twenty years, he was basically he tried he mostly said like, okay, so he he did like sort of like look into like, hey, so I have a permanently broken hand now. That's kind of messed up. So he did sort of like look into like, okay, so I can do anything about this? No, not really. Well, that figures. And he, like, tried to see, like, hey, so can I try this? Uh, no, no. I can't really do that during the day. And so it was just fun as I sort of almost stuck. And it's like, okay, so I'm, you know, I can't really progress myself. I'm just sort of stuck, you know, working this low-time job. I just in this sort of lower part of the low economic status. just like, you can't really just move anywhere. He's just sort of stuck there. So would you say like he was dealing with like a sense of depression in a way, or more like a sense it's, of Groundhog's Day, or what? Yeah, more with the Groundhog's Day. It's like, yeah, just get up, do the same thing again. Wow, that's like such a like a uh, 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 really somber like I don't know how to describe like that feeling I get just seeing like the same 
every time he gets up and he goes and he does like the same thing every day gotta, and just like an kind of have the benefit of growing old and complaining about that. An immortal world and not even like being like involved in any kind of social scene or you know what I mean? Just like kinda just living your life every day over and over again. What was going I mean, in those in his mind, what would you describe his mood as being? Like just kinda For like the most part he at first he, he just tries to like, okay, it, this sucks, but I'm just gonna go on to it, just not really gonna let it get, get to me and that over time it's more like <sighs> There was a, like a part of him that was like, "Just screw this, get out of it, do, do something else." I'm like, "But what? I can't really, you know, go out, you know, can't really go get an education. I gotta go into the day. It's, it's just you're sort of. So at some point, you're just sort of like, oh, I guess I'll just have to deal with this. It's not that bad. And I, yeah, and I think there was ways that you kind of like, like a towel kind of like, he found companionship in one way by his dog that he had. What exactly, was the dog's yeah. name again? Uh, Gulland, yeah, he he did yeah. that. Uh, he basically was just he was just looking. He was like a, looking for a big dog, and he found it was like, what? That's what's a good name? Ah, this works. Actually, there's a bit of a story to this because he knows at least one of his foster parents was like part Irish or something, and they tried to tell him like stories about Irish mythology, and he meant one of them mentioned was like, I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation. But it was Kukulahan, and basically this guy is like a sort of like the Irish Hercules. At one point, he came up to the blacksmith who had a dog. He killed the dog because it attacked him. And so he, as so, it was like, oh wait, I'm sorry about that, man. And so the blacksmith basically ordered the Kukulahan to basically, okay, you're you're my god dog now. You have to take his place because you know you owe me for this. You killed my dog. And so Kaita basically he heard that I was like, that's a bit stupid. <laughs> when he was his kid, and he was like. Later on in the years, he found this dog. Is like, well, what do you know? So if someone kills you, I, they can take your place. Well, that works. I'm not gonna be that. <laughs> nice. Now, what was the process of like learning about ghouling him? Because he is ghouled, right? Yes. Now, was that like a? Um, I mean, you, you, I would take I feel it like maybe... he, he like asked bugs about it a bit, and he was like, yeah, just give him some of your blood. He was just like, okay. So he just like made sure to like ask him his blood, and whenever he fed him. Now, did he notice a change in the like? Like, what what is your relationship with the dog after he became ghouled? Was it like, yeah? I mean, we'll talk about later. Obviously, stuff that happened. Uh, so at first, it was more like, okay, so big dog, I'll train you. Okay, you train. Okay, good. So now here's some blood. This is like, okay, you're a bit more aggressive than I'm used to, but I can still deal with this. I can still deal with this. Did it did it bring out anything in you? Like, did it kind of like maybe like make you have to uh, confront a part of your nature now that you're yeah, your kindred? It's, it's like, oh, huh, this... If that does that to this dog, then what's that doing to me? Uh, maybe that's part of the reason why you decide to kind of be... You know what I mean? Also, like... Because, I mean, eventually you stepped out and you started to, like, within, like, the 2000s, you stepped out and you started finding, like, little menial work. It almost, to me, sounded like Katow was trying to take baby steps back into society a little bit because you eventually kind of had, like, a part-time, very, like, low-paying job. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? or? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Because, like, yeah, because occasionally he would work with, uh, like, he, he contacted May Service, and since they worked in some of the poorer parts of the town basically said like okay so can you just occasionally show up and just be like mm, I'm a guy don't mess with me sort of stuff 
Exactly. And you're also there for like your, you worked a little bit for the union with your analysis, watching your analysis stuff and just kind of like, seemed like just a little bit, you were just like trying to be social, you know, with people who probably wouldn't judge you too much if you came across as odd or anything like that, right? Exactly, yeah. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. So eventually, we, we got into what became what is now known as the first story arc of Twin Cities by Night Negligence, uh, where you eventually got uh, told by Bugs you had to like show up to Elysium, uh, which was really odd for you, I would take it. You want to talk about that a little bit, or you want me to? No, you can go ahead with this. All right, so basically, you were called into Elysium with uh, three other kindred, uh, uh, two ventures, one named Jonathan Chase and the other named William Strother, and a Toreador named Ophelia Juno. Uh, and you were, you were brought into uh, what was known as the Hawthorne Country Club. And I'm not going to get, like, too much into it for people. You've already watched it, but I know you're like, oh, Country Club Elysium, that's so original. But it's really just kind of like a secluded, like, country club that is by the Missouri River and has like a golf course, you know what I mean, and a view of the river. It's not like some grand gala place, but you guys eventually went back into the area where there was like kind of like a conference room a little bit, and you uh, were, for for lack of a better term, you were tasked by uh, two primogen, Kenneth Weitz and Katrina Carrington. Kenneth Weitz is the primogen of the Venture clan, and Katrina Carrington is the primogen of the Toyodor clan, to basically look into two murders that were kind of like out of the norm, uh, and basically they wanted you guys to like look into the murders and just kind of make them stop because in the days of the, and mind you, this is in 2010 where Twin Cities by Night takes place and the day of the 24 hour news media where they're trying to find any kind of story, this could attract story to a small, sleepy, uh, small area that's not very known as a, as a kindred hotspot or hubbub. You know what I mean? That's the whole point of living at Twin Cities is that no one really pays attention to the Twin Cities. Yeah. It's not New York City. It's not Chicago. It's not LA. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not anything like that. So uh, what was going on in Katow's mind at the time when you were tasked with that? So at first he was just like, okay, I see this is definitely a problem. If I have to, I guess I actually have to do something. And after that's a part of him was like, yeah, I got to break the doldrums. Just gonna, he wouldn't admit that to anyone. He was just like, okay, yes, I'm actually doing something different. So I can do this. And then he was just like, Okay, but I just have to deal with these people, so uh, they're not yeah, intolerable. For that <laughs> chase, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, he's not the best, but I can deal with him. Yeah, in a way, he had similarities, like to bugs. In a way, you know what I mean. That maybe you already had your defenses built up. You know what I mean by exactly, what yeah. you heard from bugs. Um, now, eventually, 
Uh, that led to investigating a couple murders and find, looking into two people, Ramona. I can't believe I remember these names, by the way. Just like, I have no notes here, dude. Uh, Ramona Ortiz and a Paul Hughes, who you guys looked into. One Ramona was kind of a, a high class escort and Paul was recovering drug addict who at one point had been kind of more of a street walker male prostitute. And I would almost say at this point, this is maybe when like the, the, the memory veal of like childhood memory started being peeled back a little bit in Katow. What was going on with Katow during all this when you guys were looking into all that? At that point, he was just like, my, my parents, there was like, there was some drug use. He remembered vaguely, like with his original parents. He was like, there were, there were like the baggies or some stuff around there. Or it was just like, the bag, it's just, it was just, he remembers like, yeah, I was taken away from my parents for a reason. Oh, and yeah, so he started thinking about it because he started realizing, especially Katal had a, this keen um, ability uh, just as a player, you know, making the right roles, found uh, like a stash of drugs that was in the recovering drug addict's um, apartment there, you know, and he kind of like took it out with them. And they also at one point while trying to investigate a drug dealer who used to sell drugs to Paul Hughes, he came across a 16-year-old African-American kid named T, who uh, him and the group kind of tried to question about what they knew, he knew about Paul Hughes. And all they really found out was that Paul Hughes had basically been a male prostitute, you know, and would do sexual favors or offer sexual favors for drugs and return. So there came a point to where during the investigation, and I'm, wondering, I'm trying to remember my memory serves me right, but I think that you guys talked to Brendan Riker first, right? Before you had the Dunstern running? Correct. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, uh, it was like a, a Jonathan Chase and Ophelia. They went and talked to him a bit. Then then they like, okay, so you're good. Then we went away. And then we went, looked into... Uh, yeah, Roman Dunstern. So what happened? And this is, and I'm guys. And for those of you who are watching who may not have watched Twin Cities by Night, Negligence, and Homecoming, the first two story arcs, I'm not going to like cover everything that happened in there. You guys can go back and watch. And for those of you who have watched, obviously we're talking about certain. We're going to cover certain points that affect affected Catal, not cover, you know what I mean? Every in-depth, you know what I mean, uh, thing that happened. But basically, one critical thing I think that really, like, kind of like just opened up peeled back more of the I almost look at like Twin Cities by Night as like about the characters having like seeing what's going on around them. It's like a, a, a blindfold that's slowly being peeled off their eyes. And I'd say a lot of it was tugged off when you uh guys went to Roman Dunstern's house. Yep. I yeah. And basically um uh and I guess I can I could talk about it, but basically Jonathan and Katow went to kind of like sneak around his house because they thought at this time that maybe some guy named Roman Dunstern might be involved uh, in the murders. And then really what happened, and, and I don't know if the viewers picked this up, is that William Strother, who's a venture, was basically uh, looking into different companies to try to find out about the murders. And he kind of uh, was sloppy and kind of Dunstern, uh, a, a company that Dunstern ran, was basically figured out that William was looking into him. So they kind of did a little corporate espionage and like basically made a bunch of William stocks and like go down and, and price. And William was upset. And also William told the Tremere at the time too, he was going to find out about Roman Dunstan. So he kind of like, William's like, Oh, we should look into this Roman guy. You know what I mean? And slowly planted these seeds 
to make to use like the investigation of the murder murders going on as a, a reason to look into Roman Dunstern, and that's what led to this scene. But basically, Jonathan is going on one side of this kind of like uh, this this larger house that's in the suburbs of the Twin Cities, and and Katow's going on the other, and Katow at the time sees pretty jacked up sight, and basically what he sees is Roman. Dunstern uh, running around naked, and he basically kills two boys uh, in front of um, Cattell. Obviously, I'm going to ask, what kind of effect did that have on Cattell? So at the at the at that when that happens, it's like he was just horrified because even being a vampire, he had never really like you know gone out of his way to you know hurt people or like kill people, and he when he fed, so it was just more like okay, so you do this, you do you know make it quiet, don't make it you know. It's not, not really hurting anybody, just do your own thing. It's like, yeah, I suppose some vampires may kill people. Like, it's never really, like, something he had been confronted with right out of his face like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was brutal. I mean, you never even seen a human do that. You know what I mean? And 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 for the all you guys knew, Roman is a human. You know what I mean? He, you don't know if he's a kindred or whatever. You know what I'm saying? And it's like you see this guy just, like, murdering these two children. There was a quick run-in. Nothing ever came of it. But it did have a lasting effect on Katow because when Katow tried to feed later that evening, he frenzied. Uh-huh. And uh, you want to get into that or you want me to get into that? Yeah, I'll get into that. So yeah, Katow frenzy, he went out to feed and just by sheer, because he was just trying, okay, so I just take my mind off this, just get my mind off this, I just need to feed, that's something I'm familiar with, that's calling my nerves. So he went out and did that and he frenzied and he, unfortunately, he drained the person. Like to death, and he came out of it just as they were just as they died from blood loss, and so he was like, "Oh shit!" And so then he was just like, "What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do?" And then so he panicked, just like, "I I, I can't leave his body here, you know, in a city full of vampires. They're gonna know someone did this, and I don't want they're gonna attract it to me somehow. I don't I don't want to give them the chance." And so he he took the he took the body back to his apartment, and what he just Put like put it on ice and the place. It's just like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Embrace? No, no, no. I can't, I can't embrace it. That won't work. That won't work. So he's he's just full on panicking by this point. Not to mention, no, not mention that couldn't see friends. He did like grew like fur on his arms. Yeah, pretty thick fur, right? Yeah, definitely. When uh, a flaw of the gangrel, when they frenzy, they take an animalistic trait, which can also be behavioral too, which is going to be fun to dig into if we ever have, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of... If he ever does frenzy again, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so he has his body on, on ice and he just kind of leaves it there in a panic state, which I'm sure a lot of people, I mean, who, how would any of us react if we had a dead body on us? I don't imagine that. I don't sit there, but you know what I mean? I'm, a lot of people would, would go and be in shock in a way, you know what I mean? And, 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 and like I said, kindred are not above getting in mental shock, you know what I mean? Especially when you're a secluded person who's been, pretty much staying very tied to the humanity by living a life of monotony. You know what I mean? Of the same, you know what I mean? And, 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 and baby steps. And so, and so, yeah. So yeah, he left, he had the body then and he decided like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get rid of it. I'm going to have to get rid of it, but uh, I have to make it easier for me to get rid of it. I'll, uh... and so he decided to take the, put the, take the body apart and put it into pieces. And so he was just like, Oh God, I'm really doing this. I'm really doing that. I just, Saw in a way, he was just like, oh, God, I'm really doing this. And so then and it, that just, he was just like, oh, messed up from that. Yeah, it was very rough. And also your dog had got into there because you left the, I don't know if you remember, but you left the body there overnight while you panicked, went to sleep. And the next day you walk up and your dog had gotten in there. And it was just like this very like, it was a weird, and it, and it was totally unplanned because basically 
in mechanical terms, he just wanted to feed. He rolled and he fucking botched. You know what I mean? And it was just like this. Or you botched your self control, something like that. You botched some kind of roll. You know what I mean? And that's what happened. But it, it like it was like this nice little like 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 arc to go from what you saw, which I didn't plan for you guys to see at that scene of Dunster until like this. So it was just it was just the beauty of the storytelling system. It was just this nice little character development that happened there. And in a way, I, I would think it was almost like at the point where you started seeing like a towel a little bit be like. I don't know, like, maybe you can explain it, but it's when I saw him get, I don't want to say gritty, maybe grittier, but a little bit more terse. I don't know, because he lost humanity from that, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah like, and then he, was, he had to deal with the party after, immediately afterwards. He was just like... Oh. <laughs> so this just, party... <laughs> yeah, let me... I'll set the tone, and you can talk about the party. Yeah. Basically, this party, and again, I, I think the party was, like, one of the hardest things I ever ran in the game. Like, yeah, probably the hardest session I ever ran in the game, but I feel like the most rewarding. And I'm and anyone who's who's played with me or ran in the game or played in the game I ran, they could probably attest that I'm like my worst critic. You know what I mean at times. But like that's one of the moments where I can look back and be like, I am happy with how I did in that session. You know what I mean? Because I think what I wanted to happen in that session happened, and you guys all walked away with it. But long story short, throughout whatever, dozens of conspiracy theories. Dozens of movies like Eyes Wide Shut or True Detective season two, or and I'm sure there's plenty more. There's always like these rumors of like these de- this debauchery that like the world's elite, uh, basically, yeah, 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 get together and they like do drugs and sleep with whatever and whatnot. Long story short, there's there's a scene like that in Twin Cities by Night with the powerful of the Twin Cities because a lot of people don't know that Twin Cities actually have like 50 of the top 100 Fortune 500 companies residing in there. So there's very, you know what I mean? Powerful people, but usually they're more discreet. So basically the quartery finds out, they get invitations to this thing. They're not giving them, but they find them from someone that they had thought was a suspect in the murders who got killed. And they're basically going in there kind of like incognito trying to find out what they can more about what's going on with these murders. Cause they got a feeling there's a cult and they're looking, there's, there's certain things that they're finding. I don't want to get too into the weeds with that. Tell me about the impact. And specifically, if you can think about certain scenes in there that impacted Catal. So yeah, definitely. Like when he first, like, he was still like dealing with the emotional uh, upheaval of the whole frenzying and having a body still in his apartment. And he just went to the party, just, just had to pretend. Okay, don't, don't mess this up. Just don't crazy. Just keep calm. Just stay in control. Stay in control. And so he. So at first, when you just witnessed the whole thing, like the main foyer was just like, you know, drinking, drugs, you know, prostitutes, all the hours, just like, <sighs> I thought people, had, I guess some people did this, but on this level, it was just, it was just like, sort of just like, wow, I, I, this is just wow, I did not expect this level of it. And so then he, later on, I think he was like approached by a prostitute, and he was like, Okay, this is definitely much more uncomfortable. I'm just, I, I, I just can't deal with this. And, and so he was just focus on the mission, just focus on what we're doing here, focus on that, just focus on that. And so he tried looking around. So remember, he encountered Max Cleveland at one point. So he thought, this guy, he knows stuff. I'm gonna try and see if I can, you know, get stuff out of him. Uh, Jonathan Chase around. So then I remember, like he sort of like helps arrange a meeting between him, Jonathan Chase, and Max were all in a room together. And he tries to, you know, have Jonathan Chase, you know, dominate Max Cleveland so he can get information out of him. 
unfortunately, Jonathan Chase thought that was too much of a risk for Kai Tao, and that's one of the times he was like, you know, the, one of the few times, it's frustrating, really, when you try to rely on other people to do something, and they don't do it, and that, that Kai Tao's like, ah, I might have, don't, that, they just like, got in, I got to Kai Tao, just like, okay, I might have to rely on myself more often with this group. And that's when it started, not just with the group, but with Kindred. And we're going to delve into that by later actions, you know what I mean? Where you're kind of let down by pe- some people or, you know, other things happen, you know? But, yeah, very, very – that's a very powerful scene because uh, Max Cleveland was a tall, ginger guy, short-cropped, red hair, like a very neat uh, red goatee, had glasses, and basically was the guy who kind of was like, uh, if you need something to fit your taste, you know what I mean? Come to me kind of thing. Now, I believe – Two things I wanted to point out too that I felt were very like kind of like a good character development between you and William was the fact that William at this time, and a lot of you don't know, while William may be like this accountant or may live, have a facade of living like this, I don't want to say venture life because that sounds cliche, but you know what I mean? Living like in the nice apartment, luxury car. William really doesn't have the money to back that up. That's all like a facade. You know what I mean? Like William was pretty much in life like an accountant that did shady shit to live like vicariously like and try to pretend he was something he's not you know what i mean so when william at first was in this environment he's like oh man i made it you know what i mean like he's sitting there like smoking a cigar telling katal like just relax man because he could see katal was on edge you know what i mean and i just thought that was a very interesting character moment that sticks out about this scene because you see one guy's thinking i made it the other guy's like i don't want to be here you know what i mean and it's just like this weird you know what i mean conundrum now you saw, I believe Katow, didn't Katow see like when he was leaving the room, saw Max in a room full of like male and female prostitutes just like like going off on them and everything and like kind of I like think, I think he did a little bit. And it was was it William who saw it was because I I think it was William who saw Roman in there too because yeah, if, either, I think it, either, William or Felix, one of the two. Yeah, yeah. If you wouldn't have, if you would have seen Roman, I think you would have fucking flipped out and like yeah, murdered him. Right there. Like, uh, oh yeah, I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had a really kind of impactful scene too in that mansion when you were leaving, or at one point towards the end of the night, because you heard, you saw uh, Jonathan go into a room, and and within the room you heard screaming and like some kind of uh, Asian language, which you didn't, you know what I mean? No. And then when he left, you kind of. He acted like he had no no recollection of uh of of what had happened in the room. What was going on in your character's head during that? Were you like was that even more cementing and nailing the fact that you're all damned and like this is just like how the world is or what was? What, that, was, you remember like, what was? that was maybe more like okay yeah the I am yeah I'm trying to you know, work with these people but I'm like he's just something I have no idea what but it's just like like I you know it's like. I I I can't let myself trust these people entirely. Like I can work with them, and I just like, but just I don't know if I trust you guys. So, um, after the the mansion scene, which was pretty impactful, two of the members of your quarter, Jonathan and Ophelia, had kind of gotten leads because they had talked to two cult members for whatever this cult that you guys were looking into, uh, that, that worship someone named Lilith, uh, which you guys weren't really too familiar with, basically kind of like invited Jonathan and Ophelia to like this house. And we're at this house. What basically this house was, it was kind of like the, oh, come to an intimate setting and learn more about our blah, 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 blah. And it, it wasn't like, it wasn't like a secret, like, 
gathering that absolutely no one can know about, but it was more like to show maybe people who had taste like that, like a little, put them in a comfortable setting and kind of expose them a little bit to like symbol, uh, uh, a symbolic act, a symbolic scene, I would say, that was going on there. And basically what it was is that the group came and they're invited to see this scene that's actually in the Revelations of the Dark Mother, they kind of describe as being a religious act where there's like a huge wall of bramble, bram, brambles and basically like four naked, two females, two males, like climb over it and get all cut up. And then they got to go through like this cold icy, because it's the middle of winter in Twin Cities, this icy cold water. And then they go by this huge bonfire and then they just kind of like rut, you know what I mean? At this bonfire. And I remember to, like, that child recorded that. Oh yeah, dude! I forgot about that. He did record that. I, I, when I was making the edited versions, he was recording that while that was going on. And also, Katow, what happened was that Jonathan and Ophelia went in as guests. William stayed in his car with the Bluetooth connected, his his phone Bluetooth and his Mercedes Benz or whatever he had connected to your Bluetooth earpiece. You recorded that, and then you started exploring. Now, I don't know if you want me to continue or if you want to get into yeah. that or what. Yeah. So that he like, you know, found like a basement area and went down into it. He found like a like a like a metal door like locked, and just I remember he could hear like some of the the sermon, I guess, going on uh, with the main group. And it was, remember he was just like, okay, so how do I do this without making any noise? And he was just sort of stuck there because. Because he couldn't, you know, really find a way to break open the metal door without making a lot of noise because it's freaking metal. And so like, he just sort of stuck there until he eventually heard, like, a whole bunch of, like, a commotion break out from upstairs when, like, Ophelia and John the Chase, like, sort of uh, went into uh, <laughs> action. Yeah, action mode. For what happened, basically, Jonathan and Ophelia, the scene after it happened them in the group went inside and Jonathan started getting antagonistic and uh, when it was getting loud in there, and I'll, I'll let you continue, uh, jo- uh, uh, Katow saw an opportunity, but go ahead. Yeah, so when all the craziness was breaking down, he was like, okay, well, it's time for being quiet. It isn't really an option now, so he decided, like, I remember, like, William joined a bit at some point, so he broke down the middle door and then he was just like, okay, so what's going on here? I remember, he, like, we, that was a, I think that was like the first time I used a discipline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You used protean whatever two or one, whatever. One. The, the, eyes one, of the yeah, beast. the, the uh, eyes of the beast. Yeah. But continue, go on. And so, yeah. And so he basically, he found a, uh, a kindred, so like staked and just locked up in this little, like dungeon area downstairs. And so yeah, like, there was actually, he was actually in a cage staked with like a metal like just kind of like a metal bucket almost over his head and then there was like two empty ones so that were next to that looked like they had been used at one time but go ahead i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no yeah and so then yeah he and william sort of take the take the uh kindred out out around the back and out to the front where i think by this point like most of the people had like died like just fallen down dead he was just like what the fuck yeah, what happened basically was, yeah, so Katow doesn't see any of this, but what happened when he was in there and he found the body is that Jonathan Chase basically uh, told everyone, all the cultists to leave. He pulled out a gun and he was talking to like what he felt were the two cult leaders that they found at that time and someone who was like working for them, this African-American guy or, or was a member too. And he basically shot the African-American guy in the head because the two others want to talk to him, uh, which was totally, he lost to humanity for that because he botched his humanity role. Which was an, aw- that, was an awesome moment right there. I got to admit. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was just like, he kind of like, the pressure got to him, I think, of everything that had been going on, you know? And then um, 
the basically the two female call members were knocked out. But then when they went outside, they looked outside and they saw all these call members who had ran out were dead, like were just laying there on the ground in the snow, just like dead and like had like blood, a little bit of blood coming out of their mouth. And William saw a scene, or someone, no, Ophelia saw a fly come out of one of their mouths in the middle of the winter, you know what I mean? And they just like, it was just like this eerie, like, what the fuck scene. Like basically the group was panicking and, and I believe did someone set the, the building on fire. Uh, uh, yeah, I saw someone did. I think I think it was already on. Was it, no one was already on fire. I remember Ophelia basically said, "Let's get them all into. The, I'll get them all into the house." Yeah, 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 or something like that. Yeah, and, but instead, you guys just put him, set the building on fire or something to that extent. But long story short, and you guys will have to go back and watch. My memory doesn't serve me right. Um, the uh, the the two females are thrown in the trunk of one car, and the the state kindred is thrown in the other trunk and you guys kind of go to like a secluded area uh where um do you want to say what you found out or do you want me to say what you guys found out i feel out? like you can cover this okay so basically they talked to the two and what they found out was that the two were actually ghouls of the prince and it was his mother and sister uh like biological mother and sister that he had made ghouls and you find out that basically like the prince they said the prince had like killed his father in like a hunting accident in like the early 1900s and uh, basically like sexually and emotionally abused his mother and his sister and even like guy's sister married and killed her husband after a while. But when he got embraced, he started, uh, he, he ghouled them and then he would do like cruel things to them to make them do things for the blood. Uh, I'm not going to get into details. I didn't get into details, by the way, in the story. You, I'll let your imagination do the talk in there, but he grew tired of them. And basically what he would do is he left him alone, but he would send his new ghoul to give him blood once a month and just kind of gave him money and said, here's a company, shut up. You know what I mean? Change your names, gave him new identities. You know what I mean? And the only reason he probably kept him alive out of characters because he just was part of his cruelty. You know what I mean? He could easily have killed them, but obviously if you were to believe them, he's not, you know what I mean? That great of a guy. So basically they were, these, they were ghouled and they were getting like, there was like a junkie being messed with their blood. You know what I mean? They're older ghouls because if they were ghouled in the 1920s when the prince was embraced and it's 2010, they're been ghouls for 90 years. So if they don't go, they go without the blood, you know what I mean? For like two, three months, they're going to get, you know what I mean? Look older and start like having health issues and shit years like that. Years start to catch up with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Years will start to catch up with these. So basically in the 50s, they met the African American guy. Uh, uh, I can't remember what I said his name was. I almost want to say Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, uh, I think it was David. Uh, he uh, told them, hey, you can live off. He's like basically this guy who was living off of kindred blood. He's like, hey, we can kidnap these motherfuckers. We can like, you know what I mean? Take him for the blood. He's kind of like a military type, not military type dude, but a very aggressive, you know, kind of guy. And so the, the mother and the sister kind of fell in with them. But then about 10 years later, they met this like lady who kind of opened their eyes and showed them, you know what I mean? The, the, the key to suffering and how they're meant. And they kind of basically started like this for those of you, a little cult, a Bahari cult, uh, where basically they would kidnap kindred, random kindred and not a lot, you know what I mean? Obviously, or that would have drawn attention because it turns out the one kindred they did kidnap was a KT. So no one knew, you know what I mean? But they would kidnap random kindred and then like try to basically sustain, keep them sustained for years as like a source of, you know what I mean? Of, of, of Vite to use to, to bring these cult members over. So what they would do is they basically say, okay, we'll give you one 
make give you one taste of kindred vitae. They wouldn't tell them it's that. You know what I mean? Now you got to do this act, like basically have like a huge gangbang. That's what you guys witnessed. Well, Ophelia witnessed. You know what I mean? It was the first step, and the final step is basically getting like the, all the horrible things that happened to the murder victims. But the thing is, just the kindred blood. If you were able to use it to make it make yourself survive the wounds and everything like that you were brought over because you endured the suffering, you know what I mean? And now you were enlightened. What was going on though is this kindred that they kidnapped wasn't as strong. It was a low, low generation or high generation, whatever you call it. Yeah. It was pretty much a thin blood. You know what I mean? Almost. Yeah. It was a thin blood. He, he's like 13th gen, but he was able to make, which we'll talk about later, but he was able to make a child, but that's neither here nor there. So that's why these murders were happening. Cause they didn't realize that this blood of this kindred was weaker than what they were used to. And so these, situations where people normally would survive they weren't you know what i mean they were dying you know and so uh the the two ladies died well right after they they, they said everything they kind of died the same way that the people in the yard died you know and then you guys let you guys talk to the Katif and basically uh you guys decided to let him live rather than report and just to get the fuck out of here and uh what what was going on in in katow's head during all that uh, that really opened his mind just like there is a whole bunch of stuff that I don't know anything about, and quite honestly, that scares the heck out of me. So I'm just gonna basically that sort of put him into like defensive mode. So I was like, I'm gonna hold up, and I'm just gonna like you know just keep my eye out everywhere because I have yeah. no idea how any of this works. So I am terrified of this. Yeah, yeah, that that was a that was definitely uh, was I think everyone's reaction. No one wanted anything to do with anyone. You know what I mean? After all that, you know, you all kind of went your own ways for like six months. And basically, we're left alone. And so that was the end of the first story arc where each of the quartering members kind of went their own way. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please, help. They're coming. <laughs> and then you had it where six months later at the start of uh, springtime in the Twin Cities, you guys were told you had to go to a, an Elysium uh, meeting, which doesn't really is not um, ever been mandatory, but this one was kind of mandatory in a way, which was kind of odd, right? So there's this odd tension in the air because there was pretty much all the, for the most part, all the kindreds, all the city's kindred were um, were were there at the Hawthorne Country Club. What was what was going on in in, in Katow's mind during like when you were standing there waiting for whatever was going on? Do you remember? Or was it just kind of like, well, there was this odd moment too where like Jonathan was talking to your sire, right, and was like almost yeah. like upset your sire. Yeah, there was like some tension between the two. It was just like, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah, this jerk again. Yeah, <laughs> okay, just you know, keep your distance, keep everything calm, just don't get crazy. Bad things happen when you get crazy. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And so what happened, again, not going to get into the details, but uh, a kindred that no one recognized, not that many recognized, kicked down the door, came with someone that no one recognized in her grip, and it was the uh, elder uh, uh, Melkavian who just, everyone thought had been dead, but it turns out just a world from Torpor. Uh, everyone thought she died in the Sabbat raid of 1945. 
And uh, basically, she was walking through the doors, and she pretty much announced to the world, I'm the scourge. Deal with it. And everyone's like, oh, what? No one knew what a scourge was. Only a couple people did. And then all of a sudden, the prince and the primogen and this elder just leave, and everyone's kind of stuck there by themselves. Not really. Uh, and then the quarter at that time had no reason to be talking to each other, really. You guys were just kind of like... I'm doing my own thing. I don't give. You know what I mean? Like you didn't really. Exactly. Yeah. You were just like, yeah. You, you, you do, I do meet. I just we just never the twins don't meet. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And eventually, what happened was that William, one of William's herd, got murdered. And basically, when he went there, he found out that one of his herd got murdered. And by the way, William's really possessive about his his belongings because he's a very He's deeper than that, but his materialism is a facade that he doesn't want to be cracked at all. You know what I mean? And uh, to him, it's strength. You know, we'll get into that in William's background and his dad and all that stuff. But um, he basically has this message like that was on, on, on her phone when he went in there. And like he saw her phone on the table, I think it was or something, and said, I know. And he was like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? And so he contacted you guys because he was in a panic and obviously you guys know a lot after you found out, you know what I mean? You found out in that first arc, what was going on in, what was going on in, and and Katow's mind during all this? Uh, who's like, well, now I have to do, huh? so this is what's like dealing with someone else's mess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, right. I have to have my own mess. Like, huh? Interesting. And at that time, and, 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 and help me, um, help would be appreciated here. You guys were, uh, uh, Jonathan had that club Medusa that, that you guys started going to, which was this club that he was starting to kind of keep, you know what I mean? Upbeat and everything mm-hmm. like that. And I'm trying to remember what happened next. What was the next thing that happened? It wasn't Ophelia, right? It wasn't you. It was, I think Jonathan, right? It was eventually Jonathan's school. She got raped in this oh, club. Yeah, she was right? atta- assaulted. Yeah. Assaulted. Yeah. That was a real critical, powerful scene there, right? Because Jonathan, use forgetful mind to make her forget about it in front of you and Ophelia and William. And that didn't sit well with a couple of you guys, right? Yeah, I know. It is like with Katow, he just sort of thought us like, you can do that? That's a bit disturbing to really think about. Yeah, because on her forehead was written in Sharpie marker, like I know was written on her forehead when he found her in there. And that's a really, it's a powerful scene. I like this scene, but it's a very disturbing scene because it shows how kindred can slowly start looking at things like their possessions, you know what I mean? And how, like, Ophelia wanted to call the cops or the ambulance, you know what I mean? And he was just like, no, why? You know what I mean? Like, to him, it made no sense. He was just, like, dominated her and they gave her a drink that had some of his vitae in it so she could heal. And I, I tried to, in that scene, I tried to make it to where it was very, um, I tried to make it where it was very um, disturbing. Not obviously for the obvious reasons, but more the fact that this lady who had no idea why she didn't have, wasn't fully clothed or had this thing written on her forehead, is steps by herself into a female bathroom to clean herself up. You know what I mean? And just, yeah, that, uh. Yeah, that definitely, was <coughs> like, Ventru can be creepy dudes and keep my eye on them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you I guys start looking. Like, just like in <laughs> hindsight ahead. now, like, looking back, it's just like, Okay, people, yeah, I can, whatever, I don't really care. It's like, then, like, most, you learn the more and more. It's like, okay, Ventru are creepy pofos. Ophelia, <laughs> you're, you haven't been creepy at all this entire time. You look like a saint compared to these guys. I'm hanging, I like you more. 
Yeah, you and Ophelia really started bonding, you know what I mean, in the second yeah. uh, second arc there. Uh, what what happened next is you guys started, you guys thought that uh, Roman Johnstern might be behind what was going on, right? Because, like, there's this tension between you guys that he knows you guys saw them at his house, you know what I mean, at his house. And fucking uh, William had the financial things going on where he was trying to, like, you know, have his little. Unlikely suspect, yeah. So, we, uh, yeah. So, someone is messing with us. And only, uh, pretty much the only thing, only reason anyone would have reason to mess with all four of us would be what happened six months ago. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you guys start looking into what you think might be where he obviously is involved in kids and, 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 and disparaging ways and, and horrible monstrosity type ways uh and you guys start trying to see if you can somehow kind to find out what's going on you know what i mean and so uh unophilia kind of go down this and people want to find out they can watch the game but you kind of go down this investigative path which kind of opens up that door we told you about when you start having dreams oh because you start what it was is you start having dreams you start having dreams about like the the guy with the flame on his head, you know what I mean? Like and like like being paralyzed there. And you and Ophelia start looking into it and you go to the child protective services, you know, and you guys go there and you're find out that you were actually at a house, had foster parents at one point when you're like eight years old, where a couple kids end up being missing and stuff like that. And you kinda like eventually mentally piece together that like, holy shit, I think that guy with the flaming head is is Max Cleveland, right? Yeah, and so when Kato figured that out, it was just, he was more sort of like, oh, that dude was around me when I was young and vulnerable. And he doesn't really look that, I'm like, he's, if he was, like, you know, doesn't look that, that, that old, so. That, that, basically just, at that point, it just, it was just, uh, he saw Max Cleveland just sort of like, okay, I am not gonna, I don't wanna be in the same room as you anymore. You, you make me uncomfortable. Just the idea of you. Yeah, yeah, you just, you, you don't really have an idea what he is either, you know, so, um, and then eventually what happens is you started feeling like a little, like, you know what I mean, antsy, because eventually Ophelia's, and not to sound mean, but Ophelia wasn't the saint, like, everyone tried to, you know what I mean, put her up to be sometimes, you know what I mean, she had a very, like, I don't know, like, I felt like Ophelia's beast came out a little bit in, in odd ways, like, when that Brian, the reporter Brian, like started falling in love with her and she knew it and she fed off him. And then she actually, she wanted nothing to do with him. You know what I mean? Like, and then she came to him and was like, Hey, I need help to find out about these two kids that were missing from my, this foster home. And he's the one who came and ended up saying, Hey, here's the files. The the couple was arrested and they were in prison. And when she's getting up to walk off, he's like, Oh, Hey, Ophelia, like in this middle of like in front of a coffee shop, you know what I mean? Where people are sitting, she turns around and he's like, I know. And he put a gun to his head and like, and like or gun in his mouth and blew his head off you know which is like a whole shit this fucking panic scene so everyone's like oh fuck something's happened to william something's happened to jonathan something's happened to ophelia and you're like what's gonna happen to me right like what's going on in your your character's head at this time at that, so at that point definitely kaita was just much more paranoid justifiably so and so he was he started this like okay he just like just made, made so always like like as soon as he like left any building, he started to like always check: is anyone around? Is anyone around? Is anyone looking? And he actually had a moment where someone walked by him when he was walking down the street, 
and it was some drunk couple. I don't know if you remember that. And the and the I, drunk girl turns I and says, "I know." And you're like, "What? What?" And you like go up to him, and there's like this odd confrontational scene because she doesn't know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? And you're like sitting there yelling at her at like a crosswalk. You know what I mean? When there's a couple people there, it was this really tense scene. Eventually, what happened was, uh, uh, what I wanted to be a real dramatic, powerful scene, but where Katow goes is going back to his apartment one day. And he hears his dog like freaking out upstairs, like barking. So he goes up into this hallway and he sees, uh, was it one, two, three, four, four individuals? Uh, it was three, yep. it was three or four. It, it was, was four. Oh, yeah. 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 It was four. I think it was three or four. Whatever. Watch the, watch the past videos. But we definitely know that one of them was this Christopher Malkin. I think his name was. I can't remember his name, but he was the guy that the group had found out had led the, the rape against Jonathan's school. And he's standing there and he's trying to act friendly, like he wants to talk to you. And when you're like standing there, like feeling tense, all of a sudden you feel a hand on your shoulder and it's your sire bugs. And he's like, like trying to like push you behind him and telling you to run. And he has like a sawed off shotgun in his hand and he like just starts firing away. And like the explosions of like the, the gunfire is just, and anyone who acts like you can just shoot a gun and not be affected is insane. Like, especially in a hallway like that, it's deafening. You know what I mean? And it's like, what, what's going on in that scene right there? So at that point, Kaito, he's just like, just like, I don't know, you know, there's gonna be a fight here. I'm not sure. I'm, I just, something's gonna go down. And then he's like, Bugs just like, runs, like, okay, I'll, I'll run. You know, I, I trust him. In this situation, just like, I'm just gonna run. And then he like, he looks back and he sees, you know, Bugs being like, you know, pop, you know, being tackled by this group. And he sees like, you know, them like sink their fangs into him. And just then they kill him. And he's just like, oh. That just like that hit him really deep because like he was a sire, so there's like a whole bunch of emotions tied into that. So he was just like full panic mode, just like I'm getting out of here. I'm just running. I'm running into my car, and he, he ran just like he drove off. Yeah, and, yeah, because it, Bugs pretty much like sacrificed himself for you. You know what I mean? Like he always like felt this guilt for like you know what I mean? Like the situation. He wasn't like a heartless guy. You know what I mean? Like he like yeah, he pretty much like gave his life for Katow, uh and. Yeah, Katow freaked out, rightfully so. You know what I mean? Jumped in the car, took off, is trying to call his quartery and is like, tells him like, hey, this is, this happened. And everyone in the Twin Cities at this point, the kindred population all of a sudden is like on edge because a kindred hasn't died in the Twin Cities that they, anyone's been aware of since 1945. You know what I mean? Since the, it's been like this tranquil, like utopia, not nah, I hate the word utopia, but it's just been like a utopia for kindred existence. They're left alone, you know what I mean? And um, and so eventually, there's the other characters are like being told by their elders, like look into this, all this stuff. And at this moment, Katow's primogen, Aaron Whitesides, decides to talk to him and the whip. And oh my god, I can't remember the whip name, the whip's name. Oh, I'm horrible. I know I should have brought my book with me. Amanda Carter, I think her name was. Uh, stuff like that, yeah, 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 and uh, basically says, yeah, I've had enough of the Twin Cities. I think I'm taking off, and 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 he just leaves them to there. And like Katal, I remember Katal being like at a loss for words because it's like Sire just got killed, and then like his primogen's like, yeah, the death of your Sire kind of like upsets me, and I'm tired of this place, and I'm out. And you look, oh, Annabelle Carter, that's her name, and you look at Annabelle like standing next to you, and you're like, like what's going on in your head at this time? So at that point, he's just like. And yet, and another person I thought might give me some support in this, and it's just like, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm leaving. It's just like, 
Okay, again, I'm going to have to rely on myself. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, right? Like, all these people are selfish in their own fucked up ways, right? It's not one big happy family, you know? So the Gangrel clan is pretty much left to two people in, exactly. in the Twin yeah, Cities. There's, there's me and Annabelle. That's it. Yeah, and there used to be four, which kind of made you a stronger clan. You know what I mean? If you have, like, four members, you know what I mean? You're kind of, like, you know, evenly, you know, strength. And so you're basically kind of thrust into the position of whip because she basically says, hey, she was the whip before, and now she's like, I need help here because she's not that much older than you. You know what I mean? Like maybe 10, 20 years in the blood older than you, and she's like, help me here. You know what I mean? Like I'm already she was kind of doing the primogen job when the primogen because he was kind of like distant, you know? But now she's like, people are going to be looking at us as as if we're weak, trying to take advantage of us, and I need your help, right? Yeah, so definitely Kaitao saw that as more like, okay, now I have to think of it as a clan thing, which is weird because I don't, it, it's, it was like a new thing for me. It was like, I am responsible for something now? That's just strange. It's, it's strange. It's a strange new thing for me. Well, yeah, definitely. Like, you're like, that second arc was really like, to be like, thrust you guys into kindred, the kindred world before you're kind of hidden. You know what I mean? Had your little coming to, whatever, uh, I don't want to say coming to Jesus moment, but you know what I mean? Like you figured out the world's not as, as, as you portrayed it to be. And then now it's like you're thrust into this stuff against your will. There was a scene that I remember very specifically where you had, you went to the one that now what was called the second Elysium, this club called the underground. And for, for those of you who don't know, like when Elysium, like at least in Twin Cities by night, isn't like where every vampire is going to be there every fucking night. You know what I mean? Like if you go there, you might come across one or two or maybe none, you know what I mean? And uh, you happen to go there and uh, Michael Smith was there, uh, the Bruja whip. And I don't know if you remember, but the Bruja whip was like trying to like, like maybe like see where you guys stood about alliances and stuff like that. Right. I uh, I don't know if you remember that too well. Uh, I think I remember a little bit. Yeah. Cause he want, he was interested in saying like, like you know, things could use some changes around here, but like you know, don't want you don't, you don't want to get you know crazy violence around here. That's not yeah yeah you know, yeah. You just as things are, they, things need things need to change. Yeah, because what what concerned him was a this Melkavian elder who just woke up and was given the title of scourge, which no one ever heard of. You know what I mean? Who has just permission to like kill whatever? Which up by the way, pissed off the sheriff of the Twin Cities, who's like, what? We have someone who could just free reign and go kill Kindred because she, you know what I mean? Even like if there are KTs in the city, which he and, 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 Ty Har and Ty Harper, the sheriff's mind is like, hey, these KTs can be brought into the fold and could help us if something like 45 ever happens, which Ty wasn't there, but you know what I mean? Kind of his responsibility. And so the Bruja is like, hey, we got someone to call ourselves the Scourge. Now we got a deputy who's killed. Obviously, something's not being done right. You know what I mean? And he kind of like put a little feeler out there to Katow, which I think may be a thing's a sign of things to come and dread maybe. So then eventually through investigation and all this stuff, you guys are find out that you uh, need to go to this, uh, what, what, what did I call it? Twin Cities Mental Health Institute or something like that. Yeah. Uh, this fancy new like 21st century, you know what I mean? Modern mental hospital, uh, not like a, you know, a sanitarium or anything spooky like that. Very modern and sleek, you know what I mean? And uh, you guys go there, you're kind of like slapped in the face. You're actually the first person to see it. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, so you remember, go, on like, the go ahead, explain it. Yeah, I remember like we, 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 we were expecting like some kind of you know, violent conflict so we were like armed and just like okay we're going into we know like the 
you know, that was Malkavians who did, like, you know, been missing, like, doing this. Like, the ones who killed bugs. And it's just like, okay, I'm ready for whatever violent confrontation. So he, then he arrives and he sees instead of what's like a, like a, almost like a gala thing going on with like, some patients are like waltzing around the room. And he was just like, I was not expecting this at all. So when they just, just I threw him for a complete loop, like, what? I, I, I'm confused again. I'm, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like a weird, like, gall, like people dressed like from the 20s in a way. And uh, like, there's a lot of flowers in there. And there was like a record playing over the intercom. You know what I mean? And it was very like, joyful like somber like a celebration almost of life a little bit and the group goes in there and the group uh basically in a nutshell summed up was told was told like hey i'm sorry by the melkavian elder the, the scourge who by the way now isn't like as intimidating looking as she was basically she was saying you guys awoke me from torpor whatever you guys did in the first story arc whatever happened there like like shook me made me awake make me wake up and I wanted to make sure that you guys were ready and prepared for what fate has in store for you. So I thought that I would embrace this guy, Christopher, who was like the prince in many ways. And she kept mixing up their names. I don't know if you remember, she kept calling Christopher Philip and Philip Christopher, you know what I mean? And basically he was going to like, just supposed to like gently test you guys to build up your strength and resolve to one day maybe confront the prince. And then, but he, she lost control of him and he started embrace, or no, she, uh, did, no, she embraced other people too. To like, she embraced Star and she embraced like two other people and they're supposed to like test you guys' resolve. But then Christopher kind of took the alpha of the pack and kind of like forced them to do things they didn't want to do, like murder and you know what I mean? And stuff like that. And she was apologizing. She was like, I'm sorry. And it was basically like someone who was saying, I had this grandiose plan for the greater good and now it's backfired and I feel horrible about it. And that's what she was telling you guys. She ended up getting diablerized by the primogen of the Melkavian clan at the time. Uh, Adam Carter, I think his name was, I think I changed his last name. I retconned it because him and Annabelle had the same last name. So, uh, but, uh, what was going on in Katow's head during all that? So yeah, he was looking at little while I was like, I, you, you mean you did all this to test, uh, I, I I knew I heard my were crazy, but I had no idea like this kind of crazy could you know actually do. It was just like you know they actually, they actually had do this much damage. So he was just sort of like, he was just caught off guard. Like this is not what I was expecting the competition to be like. And so yeah. he was just sort of left like you know spinning his wheels and just sort of left thinking like, huh? He was just left. Taking it back. Yeah. 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 Because she basically, in a way, was saying, Oh, and by the way, I let myself be diabolized because I fucked up. It was like she was, t like, this was her funeral or celebration of life, and she knew she was going to be dead at the end of it. And uh, eventually, though, she showed, she's like, What you guys want is back in one of the rooms. And you guys went back there and you came upon uh, Christopher, who was staked. And he's basically like sitting in this chair of, made from human that wasn't made from humans it was humans kneeling on each other and like kind of like you know what i mean making a chair for him and then the room smelled like sex and just was disgusting and but he was staked and basically william pulled the stake out dread gazed him and you fucking did your magic right tell me yeah, about that basically, yeah basically so Kaito, he was just he was definitely angry over that i was getting killed so when he saw them he was just like 
okay, this is a person I can safely hate. I'm just gonna kill this. I'm just gonna kill this guy. And so he decided he, you know, he did the uh, claws. What the gangle can do and made it. And the claws he just tore his head off. Yeah, just murdered him. You know. Uh, after that, you all went your own ways. Again, we're not gonna get too super deep in the story, but very at the very end of the arc, right when you were like falling asleep, you know what I mean, going to sleep, you get a text because obviously Ophelia could stay awake later than you guys. You get a text message saying, "Help me, I, I think I'm in danger." Dunstern's, you know what I mean? I I, I think it's Dunstern, and then you're asleep. What b- right before that moment, before you, you're out, like what goes on in your head when you see that text message? Probably is more like no, like, like you know, not, it's like one problem, one problem to the next. It's just like it's never ends, does it? Yeah, definitely. So we, uh, that is the recap of Katal right there. I got one question to ask before we go into your character sheet. Like, what are your plans? Like, do you have any like goals or plans or how? how like, actually, because yeah, how Katal is going to be? I think because yeah. By the top, like we said, that's going to be like a week after, as you said, like, or what's going to happen is we're going to have like a little quick, like, this is what happened. You know what I mean? Maybe do a little interaction and it's going to cut like about a couple weeks, you know, or a week, a week. Yeah, definitely a week after. So, so yeah, by that, by that, a week after that, he kind of be like, okay, we got problems and, you know, trying to just, you know, hide ourselves away is not going to work anymore. So we're going to have to take action. We're, we have to. For like most of his, his life, he just like, just sort of been like passive and sit back and like, just sort of stuck. Well, you know, like just whatever, I guess. And then I, like, so finally he's just, he's just been pushed far enough. So it's like, okay, this is not going to stop. We have to, you know, take the initiative. We have to do stuff. Nice. So Katow's like now jumping in feet first man into the 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 kinder society and everything that goes on with that and everything i'm very excited to see that definitely hey do you like world of darkness do you want to introduce your friends to it but there's one problem nobody reads books anymore this presents you with a problem doesn't it you want to get your friends into these awesome games but they don't have the time or wherewithal to read any of them. Well, that's where Brett the Hitman comes in. Brett the Hitman, your one-stop shop on YouTube for all things related to World of Darkness. Currently in the middle of his Werewolf the Apocalypse series, which is showing tremendous growth. It's going to the moon! That's right, watch Brett the Hitman and you will get style! Flair! Humor! <laughs> and of course, some dank meme magic. Fucking normies! <laughs> Brett the Hitman on YouTube at youtube.com slash I love other people's misery. So watch now! If only for the dank memes. Tune in today! So let's jump into the character sheet here. Uh, basically, what we're doing now, for those of you who are watching or listening, we're just gonna, he's just going to cover his character sheet. Mind you, this is after experience has been spent from two story arcs, you know what I mean? Uh, so uh, you can just, you know, cover, like, whatever. You can read down what you got real quick, and then just so people yeah, can know. Yeah, so yeah, I put the most dots into the mental 
uh, attributes. With a, he has a four in perception and four in wits. Because I really wanted Kai Chow to be, because he just sort of hangs back all the time. He's he knows like basically, so don't do this to piss them off, you know. Don't do that, and you know, make sure we just avoid this person entirely. And so he got pretty good at that over the time. So his weakest attributes are social, just because he's just not very good. He has like a one in charisma. <laughs> I never knew that. That makes sense. Dude. I never realized that. He, I probably he, did at one point, but I don't remember that. But yeah, go ahead. He does have a three in manipulation, just so like yeah, he is not that great at you know convincing people to follow him, but he's better at just so like okay, just like just ignore me and go about this. So just like he's better at redirecting people than he is like actively convincing them to do something for him. Like you know, you, you want to you don't want to you know, beat me up, just go over there. I'll just you know, give you give you my lunch money or whatever when I was when he was younger. And so yeah, he has I guess. Average in physical, just like you know, dexterity and stamina, both three, strength two. Just because, yeah, yeah, he's not a very you know, martial character. So, yeah, in talents, uh, he has a three in alertness and streetwise, just because, because, yeah, he's he's good at noticing things, and eventually he just had to, like, okay, so I'm pretty much the poorest person in this group, so yeah, I'm pretty much the only one who can say, hey, you know, this. I, this is my pretty much my expertise like, compared to all the rest. I'm like the only one who can like you know point this out to all the rest. And he's got like a few dots, like a couple of dots in athletics, brawl, dodge, and intimidation. Just because, yeah, he's just sort of, sort of he he ha he hasn't had the easiest childhood, but wasn't the roughest exactly. So he had been into been to a few fights, knew how to you know handle himself, how to you know just be like. Don't mess with me, sort of like that. And then he, then like nice. I know, like I've added with some dots and subterfuge because he's just, even though he before he wasn't that great of a liar, but hanging around with the rest of the coterie, he learned a few things from them. Nice. <laughs> and so and then in the skills, he has a uh, a three in animal can and stealth. Did that because. Yeah, yeah, because pretty much animals, he's he knows how to deal with animals. They don't, they just you know, he take care of their needs and they'll love you for you for it. And so as a result, the animals he can figure them out. People, that's a bit harder. And he's just sort of like got better at just you know just being quiet, staying in the background, not drawing attention to himself. It eventually, was useful when he became a vampire and just sort of like just. If, what he would do is just like sort of stay unnoticed by the person he shows the feet on, just then go in. Then I got a, like a he's got two dots in firearms just because he's he and Bugs did spend some time on like shooting ranges, just doing something to try and you know some attempts at bonding. Uh, drive <laughs> some attempts at bonding, <laughs> but didn't, that didn't involve witty. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then so, uh, a dot and drive etiquette, just because it's better to have just to say I can I can function with that. Then with the knowledges, I have three investigation, just because he he's because he's poor. He basically has to like no, okay, so this is how this. Okay, so if you want to, you know, because he would know people who were like high drugs, like they would tell him stuff. He grew up around that, all around that. Then I uh, put two dots in medicine, because. A, like, he has to deal with animals, so he knows a little bit about 
biology from that. And then after he was embraced and had a broken hand, he was just like, okay, my hand is permanently broken now. So can I, is there any kind of, you know, medicine, kind of like doctor, you know, finding something I can do to help, you know, so I can use it somewhat when I, you know, awake and don't have to heal it every day. So that's why he has like a sort of like a brace for it, just so he can like use it without, but it's still like, you know, you can't really, it's still like a broken hand. It's just, it's held in place somewhat. Yeah, it doesn't look, it's, it's cosmetically more appealing. Yeah. And so then they're going to die in finance and law just because it's just better to know them than not have them. So in disciplines, he has a three in protein, which means he can, he has the eyes of the beast, the uh, claws, and if he needs to, he can uh, like go, like subsume into the earth, like just hide out in, in the ground until like day passes and then he can come back out. Nice. Which I definitely see as like him being taught that by bugs, who definitely knows that as being like it's being a very useful skill to have if you're a biker who like has to travel you know like, across great distances without you know a lot of buildings around. Exactly. And then I have one dot in both animalism and fortitude, just like the animalism because like that's just like a basic thing he sort of like picked up. Tom, when it was like embraced, it was like, oh, I can sort of understand animals now. That's... Animalism actually paid off, dude. Do you remember exactly. when you used yeah. animalism and you cracked the story open? Yeah, that, was, that was really awesome. After, after the attack on his, after Bugs was killed, he talked to his dog and basically said, like, you know, is there anything you, any like sort of smell, anything you picked up about the, the people, attackers? And the dog smelled sex on him, and you guys were able to find out that this guy had a sexual assault. You know what I mean? He was a sex offender and everything like that. That was, yeah, that was pretty awesome. I remember that. I remember thinking, damn, you just cracked the story, but you deserve to find that out. You know what I mean? So that was pretty awesome, man. So, yeah, and then, like, a point in fortitude, just so, because after the uh, incident with Bugs, he, that was his was a sort of unconscious way of saying, okay, you know, arm yourself up. Don't, you know, just, don't be so vulnerable. Yeah, definitely. Uh, should I go into backgrounds or... Yeah, why not? Go for it. You can, okay, you can guess you got, you got a two Dawson generation, which I think puts me at eleven. Yeah, maybe. I'm not yeah, quite sure. <laughs> Dot and resources, just because he he doesn't really have that much in the way of things. A retainer for his Dot and retainer for his ghoul dog, and a point in contacts because like with the maid service and the union sort of stuff there. And then gotcha, he's got. Gotcha. Three dots in the conscience, four in self control, three in courage. All right. What's your humanity at now, by the way? Just curious. Uh, humanity is currently one, six. Is it weird to, to be back into a character that has like a, <laughs> a six humanity? Are you like, that's my star? It would be like back to going kind of like, I'll, wait, no, I can't kill them again. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to have morals again. Oh man, what is this stuff? We gotta have like a transitional period, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're not playing the bot. Yeah. Funny. Well, that was weird to go from being ST to being back to Kaito. I was like instead of go from being like, you know, Holden or like the Connell brothers oh. and just be like, Oh wait, no, I have I have to I have to be nice to people now because I'm actually a somewhat good guy. You bring up you bring up that Holden NPC from the Victorian Age vampire game you ran, and that gives me nightmares, man. That guy was cruel, <laughs> man. It's so cruel, but that's a whole. If you guys want to see that, watch Victorian Age Vampire Diluted. That's on the channel. Uh that that is the game that. You want to see a non-stereotypical Toriador? 
That's how you do yeah, it. Yeah, check that guy out. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he gets like, yeah, well, we were doing a wham, dude, when that happened. So, uh, very, uh, very cool toy door, but that's awesome. So thanks for stopping by, man. Uh, uh, for those of you who are watching, uh, yep, it's going to start, uh, Twin Cities by Night Dread will start once, uh, War is on Fire wraps up. Thank you for your patience, uh, for you guys who have enjoyed the first two arcs, but hey, might as well watch. Wars on Fire or Vamp Victorian Age Vampire Diluted or Change the the Lost Vanity. If you want to uh, scratch that actual play itch, uh, if you uh, if you haven't checked those out yet, thank you again, Quinn. It's been awesome, man. Love catching up with you. And uh, to everyone else, if you have questions for Quinn, please uh, feel free to throw them in the question or in the uh, comment section of the video. And if you're listening to the podcast, you can find us at uh, Twin underscore Cities underscore VTM at uh, on Twitter. Or on, you can find us on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. And you can always shoot a question if you have a question uh, for Quinn about his character, Katow. Until then, thank you everyone for watching. I'll talk to you later. The Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. The Central District is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire Districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. But why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade The Demon's Mirror Thirteen Candles Three Chronicles Running Through the Undead Veins of the City of Angels The Esoteric Order of Roleplayers Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the duets tag to find out more. Hi guys, I wanted to let you know about my YouTube channel, the video journals of Mike Bailey. Mike Bailey is a character I play in a live-action vampire game called New England Nightmares, which uses the new finite studio rules for Mindsight Theatre. The Chronicle's set in the city of New Haven, Connecticut, and we run on the third Saturday of every month in Southington, Connecticut. Most of the credit for the stories told in my journals comes from the plots developed by the amazing storytellers who run my game.
So the videos on my channel are basically an in-character video logs of the newly sired Ventrue's Mike Bailey. They follow him from his days as a naive mortal, to his violent embrace during the Anarch Revolt in the city of London, and on to his arrival in the shores of New Haven. The journals show Mike trying to come to terms with his kindred nature, his powerful but impure blood, and his attempts to hide his past from other members of the court of Prince Lucius. The put out updates every two weeks, and I love feedback and questions, so check out my channel, subscribe, and leave me a comment.